It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from WGU. Do you want a more skilled, loyal, and effective workforce? Consider a partnership with Western Governors University. Over 300 organizations already count on WGU for valuable education benefits. Students can fit schooling around their schedules and even complete courses and degrees sooner than planned. And it's all online. Partner with WGU to make a smart investment in your company's and your employees' future. Learn more at wgu.edu slash partnerships. This is the Locked On Bengals podcast on a Wednesday. I'm James Erfine. Great to be with you. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic coming up in 60 seconds on Twitter. At James Erpine, at Locked On Bengals. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcasts. We do this every single weekday uh, on the Locked On Bengals podcast. And uh, we got some news. George Iloka, well, he's got a new team. He's in Minnesota. He's linking up with former defensive coordinator, former Bengals defensive coordinator Mike Zimmer in Minnesota, joins a legitimate Super Bowl contender on a one-year deal. And um, yeah, he's going to wear number 28, which I think makes him an instant enemy of Minnesota fans since Adrian Peterson also wore that number. For more on the Bengals deciding to move on from George Iloka, for more on the Bengals preseason and what's happened over the past couple weeks, let's welcome in Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. And if you're not subscribed to The Athletic yet, you can right now for 40% off. That's $2.99 a month. That's less than your Starbucks. I don't like coffee. Never go to Starbucks, but uh, that's less than that. $2.99. You can make that happen. Go to theathletic.com slash locked on Bengals to read Joe's work and Jay Glazer's work and Jay Morrison's work, who just joined the Bengals beat and a bunch of other awesome analysts. And uh, let's welcome Joe in. Joe, I appreciate the time. Who would have thought that um, you would like a year ago, you'd be writing for the athletic. And then right. I would be promoting The Athletic, and we would be doing so on a podcast. How about that? A year ago, I wouldn't have been able to tell you what The Athletic was. Well, now you know what it is, and now a lot I of people it, know what it yeah. is. That's true. But, uh, yeah, so make sure you do that. And, and Joe, let, let's dive into this. Let's start with Iloka. The, the Bengals, it was very clear. We had talked about it multiple times, how they were not satisfied with Iloka's performance last year, especially with his uh, turnovers or, or the lack thereof forcing turnovers and big plays. When you look at this move, what they did, and, and the idea of promoting Jesse Bates based on what they've seen in practice and in the first two preseason games, do you like it? Do you hate it? Do you love it? How do you feel? I feel everything. You know, it's hard to feel <laughs> one thing it just from this. You know, I, if everyone just... It, the people that just love it or just hate it, I, I think we have to open up our eyes and, 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 and really look at it clearly. And you're right, we did t- talk about it. I think we talked about it after they tried to sign Kurt Coleman and then they tried to bring in um, Eric Reed as a free agent. And around that time, I think my first mock draft for the athletic came out. I had been taking Justin Reed from Stanford mm-hmm. safety in the first round. And we had a lot of conversation, I think around that time. And I think even off the, off the air about they were unhappy with safety. And it, it's, I think a lot of people assumed it was Sean Williams. Um, and obviously we know now that it was more George, George Iloka and it was because, and I, I, I talked about this yesterday on Twitter a little, um, Bengals have always like, we love that we can interchange our safeties free and strong. And I think most teams would prefer to have that option and be able to do that. But the Bengals were almost 
had to um, rotate those guys because they really didn't have a true free safety in, in George Iloka, and he is a free safety. A lot of people say, well, he's playing out of position. He's always been the free safety. Even when Reggie Nelson was here, Nelson played more snaps in the box or closer to the line of scrimmage. Sean Williams is the prototypical strong safety for what usually teams look for. So Iloka is the free, and he, he was okay at it. Um, what they wanted, though, was if you're going to be a free and a strong type team, which if Williams is your strong guy, uh, you want a guy that has more range, more athleticism, more speed, and better ball skills at that free safety position, and more of a true free safety. And I think that's what they wanted. And, and it wasn't just that with Iloka. He was hesitant to come down and run the alley and meet running backs in the hole and really hit him. Uh, I, we, we all can remember a lot of big hits from George Iloka, but it was normally on a receiver or running a slant or a post or, or down the sideline. It was never him coming down and really just scooping and, and taking a running back out of the hole. Uh, he, he was late on a lot of those. A lot of these runs that should have been four-yard run, four runs were six, seven, eight-yard runs. And well, when you watch, just type in George Iloka on your NFL Game Pass and just notice where he's making these tackles usually, and it's eight yards or, or further down the field. Uh, I think they wanted someone that could come down from that cover to look and attack his half of the field and, and be able to stop a guy earlier. So when you watch after Jesse Bates was drafted, I think we understood even more that what they wanted at that position. So then, you know, preseason goes on now, and we, you put the microscope on Bates, and you're looking at him as the third guy. And, you know, is he developing? How does he look? And I thought he looked really good. For a guy that I thought the weakness of his game was his his – tackling and his you know his power his size he really needed to add a little bit of weight to him he's been a fantastic tackler he's been coming down aggressively um a lot of combo routes in front of him and he's not biting on him and he's taking that, that the, the correct guy and the guy that's going to catch it and there to stop him in the flats or after after minimal gain um he's done it the, the entire preseason both games now and i think he's looked good and he's rotated early in there. The first guy to come off was George Iloka, and it was Bates coming in both games. And then Bates got to play with when Sean Williams came out, and he was next to Iloka. And then he was even in with the, with the backups and Clayton Fedulum. And that's another thing, too. We have said we feel good about their depth at safety, right? We, we like Clayton Fedulum as, at the time as the fourth guy. Mm-hmm. We like Brandon Wilson and Josh Shaw as fifth and sixth. I mean, that's, you can't keep six safeties if you want to cover anyone with your corners. Um, Someone was going to have to not make the team or get cut, or someone was going to get injured, and, and you know that would save them the roster spot. Instead, they went proactive with it, and they cut George Aloka, who I think has been a good player for them. I like his personality. I like that even when you want an answer or a thoughtful answer, he seems to give it to the media. Those are things I like. I, it, it really seems like he was able to make the checks and the calls back there. They were rarely beaten deep as a defense, and I think a lot of that comes down to your free safety. And at the same time, we have argued together for a long time that this team needs to play their young guys. You draft these guys to play them, play them. You're, 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 you're limiting their growth. You're limiting how dynamic your team can be because you're not playing these guys. That could be athletic upgrades. And that's what Jesse Bates is. So how can we complain too much about this, right? Exactly. And that's how I kind of started off yesterday's podcast is Marvin Lewis sat there on January 3rd and when it was announced, he had a two-year extension, and he said they were going to change things. And so far, it seems like they're doing that. They're embracing change. They never, ever, ever, never would have cut a 20-year-old safety with three years left on his deal in the past. 
and yet they just did. They would have picked up Adam Jones's option. They would have kept Brandon LaFell around to be yep. uh, a leader in that room, even if he was past his prime and certainly passed up physically by some of these young wide receivers. And yet all three of those guys are gone. To me, that shows, Joe, that, that this team, this organization, and it might not work out, but that they are willing to change and have changed at least to a certain extent over the past eight months. And I wonder what the repercussions or how, how far they go with this. Um, because then you look at Michael Johnson, right? Mm-hmm. And you say the defensive ends are playing fantastic, all of them. And, and all the way down to Sam Hubbard and Jordan Willis, right? The guys are in there in the fourth quarter, and these guys look like they should be playing and playing often with this defense. So then, you know, you, you kind of get to like, well, look at his age, look at his production, look at his salary. How wasn't he on the chopping block? Maybe before even Brandon LaFell and, and definitely before before George Iloka. Uh, and you look at Ryan Hewitt, and you say, they're not even using him. Uh, this offense doesn't even look like it's going to use the fullback often. And the tight ends are really good. And I like, like, Seaton Carter, Bubba Franks, uh, the, the backup, like, H-backs. Those guys look like, look like they can play. So how far do you keep Hewitt and Michael Johnson? I wouldn't keep either one. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't. I, I take that back. Hewitt would already be gone for me. I, I don't know why he's still here. I, I'm honestly, I, I have no idea why he's still here. They don't use him. He's not that valuable. Uh, Michael Johnson, I would keep around a little bit longer just in case something happens where maybe a Sam Hubbard goes down with an injury, knock on wood, or someone like that. Something happens like that. You keep him around for depth. But yeah, I think he's on the block right now, and both should be on the outside looking in if we're talking about them definitely changing their philosophy because I don't think Michael Johnson's one of their top guys, interior or obviously not a top defensive end anymore. And Ryan Hewitt, he shouldn't even be on the field with the other tight ends that they have. Yeah, I completely agree. When If they're going to go with the youth movement and at the same time show confidence in these young guys that they have now at receiver and at, at, at safety, I I'm keep going. But I also think one other negative is in potential negative. The Bengals, their contracts and how they structure them, and they don't give a lot of guaranteed money. Now here's George Iloka with a good chunk of his contract remaining, and they release him. What kind of effect does that have down the line? Does that help you when, or, or does it hurt you if you're saying, um, hey, Geno Atkins, we're only going to give you $30 million guaranteed because we really don't give out that much normally. Uh, but th- trust us, you'll see your whole contract. Well, he says, well, George Iloka didn't. You know, uh, so I wonder what kind of effect that has down the line. Yeah, I do too. And the, the other guy I thought about, the other player I thought about, if they're doing this with guys who have years remaining, what if Dre struggles this year? Right. Yeah, you know, I mean, they're going to try. I think they're going to try to get an extension done with Dark West and Art sooner rather than later. And I wouldn't be surprised if Dre, if he struggles this year, obviously you'll have William Jackson locked up for the next two seasons after this year because the fifth year option. You sign a, a Dark West and Art to an extension and you say bye bye, Dre. Like, I think that's a. A very real possibility now that the Bengals, as far as moving on from veterans, it's almost like a a normal team, which is rare. It's as rare to see. This is refreshing, Joe. It is, and for that to lead into preseason play, Kavari Russell has played very, very good in both games. Now, I I thought when I saw at camp and saw highlights of camp, it was a lot of times it was Russell being beaten. He was getting Um, destroyed. I'm not going to lie. I like Kavari. He was getting destroyed. (laughs) And then now he's playing great in preseason, and I go, okay, well, what? How do you how do you weigh that as as a coaching staff, right? When you're building your team, um, I don't know how hurt Devontae Harris is. I don't know if there was any news that came out about that. We kind of got sideswiped on a punt um, in Dallas, and it didn't look good for his knee. But 
if you're looking at your depth at corner now, who are the four, five, and six guys that you keep six? You may just keep five. Kavari Russell may be the only other trustworthy guy as a boundary backup, and he's a third-round pick. He's got talent. He can play, and he's only played about 45 snaps in his career so far. Um, maybe, he's, maybe he can continue that play. Maybe he'll get more snaps this year. Maybe you say, yeah, he's oh, a tenth of the price of – of uh, uh, Drake Kirkpatrick, and you, and you can get similar play out of that. Now, I may be getting ahead of myself but based on two preseason games against backups, but it's, it's at least the first time we've really seen him play at a high level and at least gives you a glimpse of maybe. He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. Make sure you follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. And, Joe, give our listeners an idea of what they'll get if they go to theathletic.com slash Bengals and they get the, the 40% off that they're being offered right. right now. If they get a, a subscription to The Athletic, what do they get with your work, with, with any type of NFL coverage? Because it, it's all sports, but what kind of NFL coverage are they getting? Yeah, first, you get everything. It's not like you just subscribe to The Athletic Cincinnati. You get every city, you get every sport. There's no limitations to your subscription, your access to The Athletic after that. Um, with us... Specifically, I mean, they just brought on Jay Morrison to do the beat, the day-to-day stuff that'll keep you updated. If you've already been a subscriber, you know that so far it's been, you know, spotty at times because we didn't have a beat guy yet. We have that. He's going to do the, your, your normal news, your normal information. I'm more of the analyst side, and I'm going to do film breakdowns and player evaluations, and we're going to question everything the Bengals do and don't do, and we're going to use videos and and. and pictures and all the fun stuff that'll make it worth your $3 a month. Uh, and with that, they just opened a new uh, fantasy branch with a lot of good fantasy guys. They brought in Jake Glazer for breaking news. You're, I mean, the more and more they bring in, the you're going to want to be a part of this because a lot of information and a lot of analysis is going to be done on The Athletic, and only if you're a subscriber will you be able to see it. Again, to subscribe, go to theathletic.com slash Bengals for 40% off this offer isn't going to last forever, so go there now, theathletic.com slash locked on Bengals. This is Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different, and that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? 
No, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with my bookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with my bookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit matched halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at my bookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash Dell EMC. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. It's almost like sometimes before you even get in the industry, it's like you set up to fail. And there's so many moments where you can win, and the winning is great, but it's so many things that you go through to get to the win. And so much more who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to the next level, changed their life, overlooked to being overbooked. When I was recording the song, I already knew it was going to be a global hit. And I'm not joking, my G. I really felt it inside of me. I was like, I just can't wait to see a number one. Join me every Thursday with the first one drops only on Amazon Music. Let's go. We want the best of both worlds. We want a hybrid. A smarter hybrid cloud approach with IBM helps retailers manage supply chains with Watson AI while predicting demands with ease. The world is going hybrid with IBM. Visit ibm.com slash hybrid cloud. All right, Joe, let's talk about some other stuff besides Safety, besides the safety position, besides George Iloka. Overall, give me a few concerns. Let's start with the negative. Why not? A few concerns, worries that you have after two preseason games after watching this team. Oh, I, I think the main focus is the offensive line still. Um, there are issues still. I mean, we you always hope for the best. Even last year going in, you say, well, maybe Jake Fisher turns into a good player. Maybe Cedric Oboye turns into a good player. You know, maybe Trey Hopkins is, is as good as we thought he could be, and none of those things happened. So you go into this year and you say, well, at least we got upgrades at center and left tackle, right? And while I do think center has been an upgrade, especially in pass protection, Billy Price has been almost flawless. As a run blocker, you're getting the same level as what you got with Russell Bodine so far, because Bodine wasn't, that was his strength of his game, run blocking, even though it was not very good. Um, but the line as a whole, really, run blocking is still having issues. 
this may be a longer process than we thought. Just because they've changed scheme, they changed style, they've moved guys around and added upgrades, it really hasn't translated just yet. You need that cohesion. You need these guys, all five guys, you've been working as one unit. And if uh, if they can get to that point, I think it'll get better. But currently, um, right guard and right tackle are still the big issues. And, and like I said, center is still, but we expect Billy Price to get better as we go. Um, right tackle right now, I'm – Man, Billy, Billy, uh, Bobby Hart and uh, Cedric Oboye on the right side do not are not holding up in pass protection. <laughs> First team, second team, it is not working. Uh, it seems like Jake Fisher is only left tackle at this point. It seems like Christian Westerman is only left guard at this point. As you get closer to this third week of preseason, um, this is when you're setting your lineup. You're preparing for week one at this, at this week right now as the Bengals practice. They're preparing for week one. This is what the roster is going to look like. This is what the lineup is going to look like. If they come out on Sunday night against Buffalo and it's Trey Hopkins at right guard and it's Bobby Hart at right tackle, that's who I expect to start in week one. And uh, because you have to, at some point, start getting these guys together and playing reps together without rotating those positions in, in, in an effort to be as um, as unified as you can when the real, real games start. So having said that, that's scary. And Alex Redman has looked really good run blocking at right guard, but his pass protection, his lack of agility, his um, his false starts and mental errors are going to kill him uh, in terms of starting. I, I think Hopkins is more steady at that spot, and I really wish Fisher got a chance at right tackle. I really wish Westerman got a chance at right guard, and it's easy for us to say. But what if behind the scenes, David uh, Frank Pollock, the, uh, the offensive line coach, says, these guys just aren't making the transition. Their play is that much worse on the right side. Mentally, they can't handle the switch to the other side. Technique-wise, they can't handle the switch to the other side, and that's why we're not seeing them. If that's the case, it, it, it may be. But then I think we have to start looking at alternative options to get the best five guys out there. And someone said, well, then let Westerman play left guard and move Clint Bowling because Bowling has played other positions. I'm not against that either. Um, I just think right now if there's a lot of holes, but that one is still the one that it's going to limit this offense the most. Yeah. What about the idea, and I've thought about this, and I think they would do it if something happened um, to left tackle that they, they traded for, Cordy Glenn, they would move Clint Bowling. What about the idea of moving Clint Bowling to the right side? He played left tackle last year a little bit. And I'm not saying he's perfect there, but I think between Westerman and Hopkins, they could man the guard spots. If you put bowling at right tackle, I think that would get your best lineman potentially on the field. Is that am I crazy there? Is there any chance that would happen outside of an emergency? I don't think you're crazy. I think we should have seen it already if that was the case. The thing is, bowling wasn't good at tackle. He was serviceable. You can use him as needed, but he allowed twenty pressures last year all all year in pass protection. Twelve of them at guard in fourteen games eight of them at tackle in two games. So that's not something you want for an extended period. I mean, he would lead the team in pressures if that, if that pace continued for an entire season. You would expect he'd get better and more comfortable at it as it went on. But we're not saying you're, you have a good tackle you could just plug in. What we're saying is it's got to be better than what they showed, right? Mm-hmm. And um, if that's the case, then I would be considering it. And I just think that you should start that now. It would have to be a disaster, I think, after four weeks, and they go, Okay, now we got to make a move. That seems more of how the Bengals would do it. Um, we've seen it in week fifteen and sixteen rather than week four and five. But I do think that's the scenario rather than 
seeing them do it now and, and going into week three of preseason. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic with us. As far as Bill Lazor's play calling, I know we only get a snippet of it. What have you seen? What did you like? Um, what did you not like? I'll give you one play, one example of something I liked. I love the idea, third and five the other night. I think it was the Bengals' first drive. A.J. Green lines up in the slot, yep. and it was a pick play with Tyler Boyd. A.J.'s wide open, and he yep. has a pocket. He's got to make this throw. But I love the play call. I think Andy will make that throw more times than not. Um, I want to see more of that, but I really like that. That's a play that stuck out in my mind that there's no way in hell we would have seen a year ago. Three plays with Green in the slot, and he was targeted all three times. I want to say all of them were third downs. Um, Week one versus the Bears, it was that drag, and he ended up taking it upfield 30 yards or so. Um, He was in the slot to the right. And then twice against Dallas, both deep balls, both misses by Andy Dalton. I think the second one was a little harder, but at the same time, two plays I want to see on, on your best receiver's body um, so that he can make a play on it. Other than that, I think uh, it's been, you know, because it's been limited by the offensive line, I think at times it's been limited by the quarterback because as good as Dalton was week one, I thought he was flawless. They ran the offense perfectly besides John Ross falling down on one play. Uh, second week, definitely they he missed his throws, obviously the big ones, but I think there was other ones too where he was just a tad late or the pressure got to him a little a little quicker than he thought. Uh, besides that, I think the run game still needs work, obviously, but some of that is limited by personnel. I think the one thing I did really like was Joe Mixon in week one getting split out wide and getting him the ball and allowing him to make a play and score. Uh, and then Tyler Boyd, his touchdown also from week one, he was split out, out wide, and really it's just a pick play again, but it's, it's a typical play in the red zone where you can get um, uh, Ross pretty much running it to the corner, the outside guys running a slant. And it's the place Malcolm Butler intercepted against the Seahawks Patriots, basically. And um, Boyd beat Chicago's best uh, corner and fuller inside and, and scored there. So he's scheming his guys open. I like that. That's something the Bengals haven't had. And if they can at least do that all year, they'll be better off. A, a few quick thoughts on uh, the defense that you saw, Joe, because to me, the defensive line is their best position group. Um, it, it's just it's been standing out. They've continued to dominate. And I wouldn't be surprised, I said this yesterday on ESPN 1530, over under the club record at 51 sacks, if their big guys stay healthy, the Carl Lawsons of the world, the, yeah. uh, the Geno Hackenses of the world, and the, the Carl, Carlos Dunlaps, of course, they're going to break that record. I believe that. Now, uh, w- yeah. what are your thoughts on the defensive line? And then the other parts of the defense as well. I think the defensive line is the story of the defense because I think it's the best unit on the team. Um, and you said Lawson. I think Lawson's in for a big year. Carlos Dunlap's looking good. Willis Hubbard has been way above and beyond what I expect from a rookie. Two years in a row, if they get top-end play from a rookie DN, would be fantastic, wouldn't it? But then inside, I think not only that can who he is, but Billings had a fantastic game versus the Cowboys. And then Ryan Glasgow had six pressures also. So, you know, Chris Baker's definitely the fourth-best guy out of the interior on that defensive line. I think defensive line is going to carry the defense completely and give them a chance to be really, really good. Does Chris Baker make this team? If Andrew Brown was healthy, I'd say there's it's more of a debate. But, but Brown isn't and hasn't been able to play or practice. I think he does for now. Yeah, it's it's one of those where I see it, and it could be borderline, but I agree with you. It would be interesting to see how Andrew Brown does. Um, one other guy, you mentioned Kavari Russell kind of struggling in coverage in practice. Darius Phillips has struggled a ton in practice and did during training camp. But obviously he was – 
lightning in a bottle when he had the ball in his hands at uh, Western Michigan, and he showed that the other night against Dallas. What are your thoughts on Phillips? What does he look like? How has he looked in coverage? Coverage, uh, mostly inside, and I don't like that. I think he should be on the boundary. I think most of his struggles are because they're putting him inside in the slot, the back up there. Uh, but you're right, as a kick returner right now, and punt returner, I think he makes the team just off that. And if he's not playing this year on defense, that's fine because if you if you need to get him in there, that means some injuries happen at the secondary spot. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic is with us. Make sure you check out his latest work at theathletic.com. And again, if you want to subscribe, go to theathletic.com slash locked on Bengals for 40% off. Joe, I appreciate the time as always. I will, uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. I'll catch up with you next week. We can do our first real film review where we break down what happens in preseason game number three because it's the dress rehearsal. This one matters. I can't wait. Joe sounded really enthusiastic there. I can't wait. I'm James Erpine. This is the Locked On Bengals podcast. I wrote about the Bengals offense at LockedOnBengals.com last week. I'm going to write some more about this team in the upcoming days and throughout the season. I will be writing more and more and more. Uh, So just a heads up that that is going to happen at LockedOnBengals.com. As always, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcast. Back at it tomorrow. Until then, I'm James Rapine. Have a great night. Thanks for listening right here on the Locked On Bengals Podcast. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.